Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Exodus 29. Exodus 29. Uh, This is a rather long chapter, 46 verses. I was planning to look at the whole thing tonight, and then I realized yesterday that it was time change Sunday. Not a good plan. So we are going to look at just one small portion of the chapter. I actually printed the bulletins before I decided to nix or put most of the sermon into two Sundays from now. So the part of this outline that we'll look at is just point one and then point two A and then point four C. If you have a pencil with you, you can certainly mark all of those. The rest we will save for two weeks from today when we return to regular evening worship. Point one, 2a, and 4c. Exodus 29, we'll read the first nine verses and then the last four verses. And this is what you shall do to them to hallow them for ministering to me as priests. Take one young bull and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil, you shall make them of wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with the bull and the two rams. And Aaron and his sons you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments, put the tunic on Aaron, and the robe of the ephod, the ephod and the breastplate, and gird him with the intricately woven band of the ephod. You shall put the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban, and you shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head, and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put tunics on them, and you shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and put the hats on them. The priesthood shall be theirs for a perpetual statue. So you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons." And then the middle portion of the chapter is all about what offerings to offer to purify Aaron and his sons and the altar of burnt offering. And then the end of the chapter from verse 38 onward describes some of the tasks of the priest. So verse 42, this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak with you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I will sanctify the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also sanctify both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the holy priests that you called and that you had Moses consecrate so that they could minister to you as priests. Father, we ask that you would show us in these priests your son, the great high priest, whose priesthood is better than the Levitical priesthood. Help me to speak boldly and accurately. Give us all focused hearts and attention that we might hear from your word and keep it. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Well, this chapter, last chapter was about what the priests wear. This chapter is about how to make priests. How to, typically the English translations say, how to ordain priests. And there is a Hebrew word in the chapter that corresponds to ordination. It's in verse 9 and verse 35. So you shall ordain them, say most English translations. The Hebrew word, though, is better translated, not ordain, but fill the hand. You can fill the hand of the priests. And that's why, of course, this opening part of the chapter says, here's the items you'll need. And then in the middle part of the chapter, which we'll read in two weeks, you're actually supposed to take a number of items and pile them in the hands of Aaron. Verse 23, well, verse 22, you shall take the fat of the ram, the fat tail, the fat of the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys and the fat on them, the right thigh, one loaf of bread, one cake made with oil, and one wafer from the basket of unleavened bread. You shall put all these in the hands of Aaron. Aaron literally had his hands full for part of this ceremony. If you can imagine trying to juggle all of those items, basically all the fatty parts of this ram of ordination, along with several loaves of bread. And he's trying to hang on to this and wave it back and forth before the Lord. Now, uh, we read that and we think, wow, this could have unintentionally veered into comical territory. But that is not the point of the chapter. Rather, the point is, you've got your hands full, right? I hear that all the time. Alexa hears it even more often than I do. And what does that mean? You have plenty of work to do with five little children. Well, that's what the Hebrew term means when it says, Moses, in order to make a priest, you need to fill his hands. Priesthood is defined in terms of this is a job to do, and this job contains within it many responsibilities such that if you are even attempting to do your job, you've got your hands full. So Moses is supposed to bring forward Aaron and his sons and fill their hands so that they will have their hands full with the overall priestly task of maintaining God's residence with his people. In our polity, it's axiomatic that there is no ordination without call to a definite work. No ordination without call to a definite work. You don't have someone say, I want to be a pastor. And the presbytery says, oh, all right, you're a pastor. Lay hands on you and pray for you. Now, find something good to do. If you want to be a pastor, you have to find a church that agrees and that calls you to be their pastor. And without such a call, you can't be ordained. Ordination is to a definite work. And if there is no definite work to be found, there is no ordination. That's what this chapter is already saying, is Moses is supposed to fill the hand of Aaron and his sons so that they will have their hands full with this particular work of maintaining God's residence among his people. Uh, We will focus tonight, though, on a different word, not fill the hand, which appears only four times in the chapter, but rather on the word consecrate, which appears 
17 times in the chapter. Clearly, what's most important about the priests is not how full their hands are, that's important, but what's most important is how holy they are. To be holy or to consecrate, the noun and verb together appear 17 times across these 46 verses. So the main point we want to see tonight is that the priests had to be made holy in order to serve as priests. God tells Moses what he needs to make them holy, and then what to do to make them holy, and then winds it up by saying, I am the ultimate one who makes priests holy. Be a priest, you have to be holy. We mentioned that last week. A profane priest is a contradiction in terms. Well, God starts once again with a materials list as he started this whole section on the tabernacle back in chapter 25. Here's what you need. You need a bowl, two rams, and three different kinds of bread. Uh, One kind of regular bread and two kinds of crackers. Regular cracker and oiled cracker. And then the rabbis already noticed this in verse 3. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with the bull and the two rams. And the rabbis got into it. What size basket was this? How could you carry a basket that contained a bull and two rams? And they went to town on that particular theme. Obviously, that's not what the Lord was trying to suggest. Just to say, gather the materials and bring them to me. The materials have to be gathered. And then it's very important where this ceremony takes place. The things have to be brought to God. And thus we have this key word, this key verb, bring near. Moses has to take the items and bring them near to the Lord. He has to take Aaron and his sons and bring them near to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So all of this takes place at the door of the tabernacle. The tabernacle has not yet been built. This is still the instructions for what will be done. And you can read in Leviticus 8 about how these instructions were fulfilled once the tabernacle was built. But anyway, it's very important that the ceremony take place at the tabernacle door. Now, if you've been around postmodern academics at all or read their work, you know that they are very much into the liminal space. You've probably heard that buzzword. If you've ever had anything to do with academia, liminal space. What is a liminal space? Well, liminal space is just the Latin word for threshold, area at the door. Why is the threshold important? That's where God says to bring Aaron, his sons, all these items, the ram, the bread, etc., The door of the tabernacle is the border between this world and God's space. The ceremony is about who can go into God's presence. And therefore, there is no better place to have this ceremony than at the boundary between the regular everyday world and God's presence. That boundary is defined by the tabernacle door. Outside that door is the ordinary six days world. Inside that door 
is the presence of God himself. And so the ceremony to make a priest takes place at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. To say the priest is almost ready to go inside. He's not quite ready until this seven days ordination ceremony is finished. But he is almost ready. He is on the threshold. He is knocking on the door of the tabernacle. He's so close to being admitted to the presence of God. We are at the boundary between earth and heaven, the boundary between the common and the holy. And in order to go into God's holy presence, step one, after gathering the materials, verse four, is to wash Aaron and his sons with water. Before you can be washed in the blood of the lamb, which will happen later in the ceremony, you have to be washed with water. It's a way of saying nothing unclean, defiled, or unholy is allowed into the presence of God. So for the consecration, you need rams, bowl, bread, and water with which to wash the ordinance, the priestly candidates. And then, then you shall take the garments and so on. God starts to describe what to do. But already in verse 1, we see the key word. This is what you shall do to them to consecrate them for ministering to me as priests. Most translations say consecrate the New King James. and King James have hallow, the older English word related to our word holy. Hallow is the verb form of holy. To hallow something is to make it holy. Uh, The Latin form is the word consecrate. Take something and to make it sacred, which is the same as the English word holy. So the first verse tells us that this is going to be about making the priests holy. This is how you take them out of the six days world, as it were. You change their purpose to be the purpose of serving God. Holiness is about purpose. What are you for? The holy thing, the holy person, is for God entirely and exclusively. This same term, by the way, that's in verse 1 here, this is how you shall consecrate or hallow them, the same term appears in Christ's high priestly prayer in John 17. As he gets ready to go to the cross, he says, For their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Christ makes himself holy to fit himself to be priest and sacrifice in order to make us holy. So how to consecrate priests, that's what this chapter is about. Taking an ordinary man named Aaron and consecrating him so that he is holy and able to perform the priestly work of offering sacrifices and reminding the Lord, interceding for the people of Israel. So what do you do to consecrate them? Well, after you've gathered the materials and bathed the priest, then you take the garments and put them on. And the Lord describes putting on all the garments in verses 5 through 9. So the last chapter ended with the description of the priest's special linen boxers. Now, presumably the priest arrived for the ceremony wearing those. And then you put the tunic on Aaron. You put on the robe of the ephod over the tunic. 
Then you put the ephod over the robe of the ephod. Then you put the breastplate onto the ephod. Then you put the band of the ephod on. Then you put on his turban. And then you put the plate that says holiness to the Lord onto the turban. Then you anoint him. So this is how the first step in making the priest. He has to be clothed in the special holy robes whose design is given at such length in the previous chapter. Why are the robes so important? You've heard the proverb, clothes make the man. Well, the chapter gives so much attention to the robes because the robes, in a very real sense, create the priestliness of the priest. Aaron is not priest by virtue of some power within him. It's not an intrinsic priesthood. It's an extrinsic priesthood. The clothes make him the priest. His priesthood is derivative from the priesthood of Christ. And so, that's why what he's wearing is important. And the, last ch- the previous chapter ends with the statement that if he's not wearing it, he can't do his job. Uh, verse 43, speaking of the underwear, but referring really to all the clothing, they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they come into the tabernacle of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place, that they do not incur iniquity and die. It shall be a statute forever to him and his descendants after him. Aaron is only priest, only able to function as priest when wearing the holy robes. If they're missing, if he's not wearing them, Aaron is nothing. He is no longer priest. And Hebrews makes a big deal out of this. Christ is our priest, not by some extrinsic power, the power of clothing, but by the power of an indestructible life. Jesus is priest by an intrinsic power, and therefore, right? ultimately, he performed his key priestly act of dying on the cross naked because he didn't need to be wearing special robes to have that priestly power. We can say further that clothed in Christ's robes of righteousness, you and I are priests with the ability to draw near to God. And rather than being physical clothing that can be lost or damaged like the special Mormon underwear, this is spiritual clothing. We are clothed in Christ's righteousness by the action of the Holy Spirit And we are always allowed into the presence of God. Not to offer sacrifices, rather to draw near and speak with God and know Him and be His children and to intercede for one another. Our priesthood, too, is extrinsic. It comes through our participation in Christ. If you're in Christ, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So Aaron and his sons are clothed in the right robes and then they are anointed with the special anointing oil whose recipe will be given at the end of the next chapter. Aaron is anointed, the oil streaming down on his head and beard. Psalms compare it to when brethren dwell together in unity. It also signals God has given him this particular task of being priest. And it only mentions anointing Aaron in this chapter. It says elsewhere that his sons too were to be anointed. 
So then the sons are brought. They don't wear the ephod and the golden plate. They have lesser clothing. They're not as special. They're not the high priest. But they too are priests, ministering alongside Aaron with the tunics, the sashes, and the hats. So you shall make Aaron and his sons holy. Well, skip down to verse 43, where God says, I will meet with the children of Israel, and it shall be sanctified by my glory. The tabernacle presumably will be sanctified or made holy by the presence of my glory within it. And then he adds, So I will sanctify the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also sanctify both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. So God comes and he consecrates the tabernacle and he consecrates the people who serve within the tabernacle and his presence makes them holy. Same is true of the church today. Why are we holy? Not because we wear special clothes, eat special food, do special things. We are holy because of the presence of God in our midst. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the church of the living God, the household of faith. We show that God is the ultimate consecrator. The tabernacle was made holy primarily by the residence of God's glory within it. And the same is true today. I can get you wet. I can pronounce the baptismal formula over you. But only Jesus can baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Only He can come and dwell within you. We've all had the misfortune of meeting baptized people who are quite unholy in their words, thoughts, and actions. God says, the tabernacle will show that I am the consecrator. And our lives, too. We have to seek God's work to make us holy. You don't define your own purpose. You don't make yourself holy. God makes you holy. So if you want to be holy, what do you do? You go to Him in prayer and say, Lord, change my purpose so I serve You. There's no ordination without call to a definite work. David's son, Jesus our Lord, has been called to the work of saving the world. When you see Him doing it, know that the Father is saving the world. That's why He's given His Son that task. The Son is doing it. It will happen. The kingdom will come and the world will be holy. Wait, hope, and worship. Let's pray. Father, help us to know our calling as priests because we know Your Son who is the great High Priest, eternal in the heavens. Lord, we thank You that You are the Consecrator that you made Aaron and his sons holy through the anointing oil and the special robes and the washing with water and all the rest of it. We thank you that you have filled our hands to pray for one another, to intercede, to act as priests within this temple in which we are. Father, help us to see your power, your presence, and your glory. Make us holy. Change our purpose and help us to live in accordance with that purpose of glorifying and enjoying you forever. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.